one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay you have your bible turn with us please to the book of ephesians chapter 5 the book of ephesians chapter 5 i want to raise some questions tonight before i bring the message and see if you can identify the subject there's something unusual in the world and I'd like to ask you these questions. Who thought it? And who bought it? And who brought it? And who taught it? And who fought it? And then who caught it? Where did the church come from? And is it needed? Or can we get along without it? Or is it just an unnecessary nuisance? Or is it just sort of the land of the racketeers? How important is the church? Usually one time in a week's meeting, I like to give one hour to discussing the kind of church that Jesus built. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, he said that he loved it. He loved it. And because he loved it, he gave himself for it. Now, I believe anything that Jesus loved enough to give himself for, ought to respect it enough to give it serious consideration. And tonight, Though the church is despised and laughed at and dishonored and disrespected, I still believe that it ought to have a place in the heart of the believer. And I'm sorry for the day that the church began to win popularity contests with the world and begin to depend on her education and on her influence. Now, you may not understand this next statement, but it's so. When the church began to have influence with the world, she lost out with God. And some of you look right at me now like you don't understand what I'm talking about. You see, the New Testament church never did have any influence. And I can prove it. The first pastor of the church at Jerusalem didn't have enough influence to keep him out of the jailhouse. Neither did the church have enough influence to keep their pastor out of the jailhouse. But it had enough power to pray him out. You see, when the church was on fire for God, she lived by her power and not her influence. And people disrespect the church today because the church many times is piddling and playing instead of fasting and praying and reaching lost people. And instead of getting somebody into the church that we can help, many times we've been looking for somebody that can help us. Jesus was a man without influence in his generation. Oh, I know he fed the multitudes and made no charge. I know he healed the sick and raised the dead. I know that he met the needs of every person and let little children sit on his knees and put his hands on their heads and bless them. But I'll guarantee you this, Jesus did not have enough influence to keep him off of the old rugged cross. But he had enough power 
to resurrect him on the third morning. Paul and Silas didn't have any influence at Philippi. They'd done a great work. Fires were burning. Souls were being saved. Miracles were taking place. And dear friends, you'll never have any real opposition from the devil until you begin to plow in supernatural soil. Now, as long as you just piddle around in the natural, I mean, the devil will say, boy, that's good. I mean, that, I'm for him, and I, I'd like to help you, and he will. But, oh, his help just won't work. I'll tell you, and yet we're living in a time when the church is not really, I mean, the, the, the world, the church, it's not despised, it's respected by the world. And you hear people say, well, I think everybody ought to go to the church of their choice. You ever heard that? Preachers get on the radio and say, now, I hope you'll attend the church of your choice. Well, that may sound sort of cultured and refined, but did not lick a sense in it spiritually. You better go where God tells you to go. Man never has made a good choice in his life. Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a choice to make, made the wrong one, shows the world. All the people in Noah's day made a bad choice except Noah, and all of them drowned. You know that, don't you? Man hadn't got any sense without the Lord. I've never seen people so stupid in my life, and I've never seen people so empty either. I've never seen people so hard. Why, listen, we've got little kids today that's harder at the age of 10 and 12 and know more about sin and wickedness than most people used to know at 40 and 50. Because that's all they've ever known. They've been brought up in it had the old box sitting in the living room, their private teacher, held chaperone. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, television, that's what I'm talking about. Then we've got teachers that teach them five days a week that there's not any God and the Bible's not so and the Bible plan of creation is a myth. I got a charge out of these, these moon vistas, you know. Oh, brother, they travel a long ways at the price of billions and billions of dollars, and they came back and they made a tremendous revelation. It's great. One of the greatest things ever happened in this world. Why, listen, they came back and made an announcement. I want you to get it. I mean, as my daddy said, write it down in your little day book. Don't forget it. I mean, this is profound. <laughs> they said, listen, they went up there and got a little sack of rocks. That's right. They got a little sack of rocks and, and I guess in a cellophane bag or something and brought them back and they examined those and they made the tremendous announcement to the world that the moon was made about the time the earth was. That's astounding, isn't it? Well, they could have found that in the book of Genesis. You wouldn't have to go that far to find that out. I want you to tune in real good to the message tonight. And that goes for all of our other friends. The devil will come. He's a thief. He'll steal away the seed before it comes up. And before you can get your blessing, old smutty face will come through here and he'll try to keep you and your mind off of things eternal and send you away empty and disappointed and defeated. And we just want everybody here tonight to get a real spiritual blessing. And I want mothers and daddies and prayer warriors to bow your heads with me and let's ask God to bless this meeting tonight. And I wish you'd pray for all the young people, there are a lot of them here tonight, that they'll find God's will and know that sweetness of Jesus in their lives. Our Father, we can't preach without your help. And I pray that God's people will help us tonight by praying. Bless our young people. There are so many precious young people here tonight. And Lord, I know when you got a hold of me one night in a meeting and is in a little old church and you told me, first of all, that you loved me and that I was lost and I knew I was miserable and unhappy and sin couldn't satisfy. And then, Lord, you spoke that second lesson to me later on and said, I've got a place in my vineyard. I want you to pick some grapes and enjoy my fruit and I want you to preach my gospel. And Father, I just know that if you could take me and use me, you could sure get a hold of the hearts of these young people tonight that seem like are just kind of lost in the fog. And 
They just never have really gotten through the overcast and into the sunshine of God's eternal love and power and mercy. And so, Father, these moments are precious, and I pray that we may redeem the time, and we may just preach, and everybody will have open hearts and say, Preacher, can you help me do it tonight? And help us to be faithful in declaring this message in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible said he loved the church and gave himself for it. The second thing I want to ask is this, who built the church and who started the church and what's the purpose of the church? I went to the room a while ago after traveling around today, and I thought about uh, four or five things I'd like to share with you tonight in connection. Now, first of all, in Matthew chapter 16, in Matthew, now that's the origin of the church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to build the church. Now, if a preacher seeks to build a church, more than likely he'll get sick. It'll wear him out. That's what makes preachers nervous and gives them ulcers and, and gets them run down. They feel like they got to build the church. No, we're not the church builders. Jesus builds the church. And I wouldn't want to be a member of the church, really, that I built myself. I really wouldn't. I believe I'd move my membership before I'd belong to a church that I built. I'm serious about that. I, I know too much about this fellow right here. And I'm not trying to be overly pious either. I'm just trying to tell you, uh, I know so much more about me than you know about me. I'd never have confidence in anything that I built with these human hands of mine. Now, I, I'm, I don't profess to be real smart, and, uh, and I, I wouldn't let my experience or seniority, anything else, I mean, I don't want anything that I'm going to be. I want whatever I do for the Lord to do it. I really do. I want God to take, he said over that, the psalmist said that they might know, Lord, that thou hast done it. And sooner or later, you're going to find out who did it. I'll guarantee you that. And if you did it, and I know, and I'd be the first one to admit that much of my ministry has been wood, hay, and stubble. And that's the thing that won't last because that thing won't go through the fire. And everything we do has got to stand the fire test. Whether you believe it or not, the Bible said it's got to go through the fire. Now, gold, silver, and precious stone, that's the only thing that'll go through the fire. Now, you know what the gold is, don't you? That'd have to be the Word of God. Word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, though it be tried with fire, might be found with the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you seem not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, he said uh, uh, faith. Now, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. There's the gold, see? And so there's a gold mine in your house if you got a Bible in it. And if you got the Bible in your heart, you got a gold mine in your heart. So I want to speak with you a little while about the church. First of all, what about the God? What is the God of the church? Everything needs to have a God. A home needs to have a God, a child, a boy, a girl. Everybody needs... Now, that would have to be our Heavenly Father. And the church has to have a divine head. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the Bible said he's the head of the church. Now, if he's the head of the church, we have a divine head. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, the church is just about like everything else. That's about the saddest thing I ever heard. Saddest thing I ever heard. Dear friend, if this church is like everything else, it's in a bad fix. Now listen to me real carefully tonight. When the church gets like the world, the world loses its respect for the church, and we lose out, and we can't win them. I'll guarantee you there was a time when the world went to the church, but that was when the church would not go to the world. And when the church began to go to the world, the world quit going to the church. The world is going in one direction, the church ought to be going another. That means we'll have a head-on collision with them every time. The world is in the broad road, and the church is in the narrow road. The church has always been in the minority, the world in the majority. 
Back in the days of Noah, he didn't outnumber everybody. He was in the minority. There wasn't many people got in the ark. There was only eight. That's all. Eight souls got in the ark. That's what the Bible says. And they lived in the day about like we're living in. The Bible said, as it was the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man, as it was the days of Lot, which meant homosexuality and sin and vice and crime and filth and abnormality. He said it's going to be like that when Jesus comes again. We're ready now. I mean, the stage is all set, boys. And I'll guarantee you, violence covered the face of the earth. It's that way now. I heard, you, I heard you, your uh, news report going home last night uh, on the radio. And I'll tell you, you talk about some murders. I mean, right around here. You talk about some people getting killed. I mean, they're trying murderers right here in your area, see? Violence. There never has been as many young people killing parents and parents killing young people as right now. There's never been as many suicides as right now. Violence is covering the face of the earth. Not only that, he said, it's going to be like it was in the days of Lot and the days of um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, I tell you, I don't see. But you see, people never know that because they don't read the book. You'll only get that out of the book. But the Bible tells me that we're getting powerful close to the coming of our Lord. It'll not be long. And if I were to ask you my prediction, if I were to ask every one of you that really would like for Jesus to come right now, I'm afraid we might, if we could, vote him out. Because there's many people that are a little afraid of his coming, yet be the most blessed day for God's people that's ever been when he comes. I know I hear people say, wait a little longer, dear Jesus. I don't say that. No, sir. I heard another fellow saying, I want to be sitting on my mama's grave when the Lord comes. I don't want to be caught in the cemetery when he comes. Brother, I hope I'll be over there somewhere on the end of a log winning somebody to Jesus. I want to be just firing away. I really do. I don't want to be sitting around under a shade tree somewhere. Lord, have mercy upon us tonight. The church has a divine head. But there's something else. What about the government? We talk about the God of the church. What about the government of the church? Who's to run the church? Now, this is where your flesh could get rebellious, you see. And you could say, well, you know, first, I mean, deacon could swell up. Maybe the preacher could swell up. And church members would No, wait a minute. It's not a matter of what you say. I want to know who's supposed to run a divine church. If it's a divine church, and let me tell you something. If it's got a divine head, looks to me like a divine head would deserve a divine body. I mean, it sure would be a freak organization have a divine head and a human body hanging on it. That wouldn't be right, and you know it wouldn't be right. Now, you say, what are you talking about? Every member of the church, if you're to be a member of the church, got to be born again. And you're not a member of the church. I don't care how many you've joined. I don't care how many times you've been baptized, how many professions of faith you've made. If you have not been born again, you're not a member of the church tonight. And you're not a member of his body. Nobody can get into the body of, the, of Christ except by a new birth. And the Bible said, and the Lord added, did you get it? And the Lord added to the church daily. That's good, isn't it? Daily, such as what? Should be saved. How'd you get in? Got saved. You got saved. And so you see, now then, I didn't answer the question, did I? No, I'm not afraid to answer it because I know it's right. And there's no need to any preacher being afraid of doing right if he does it in the right spirit. And first of all, the Holy Spirit is the administrator of a New Testament church because he's the only one that knows all about it. Now, he's the one that gives the Word of God. He writes the blueprint. He gives the rules and the regulations. And I want to say something. And I don't know a thing about this church. I never asked the pastor about any problems, and I never asked him if he's got anybody he's having difficulty with, and if I could get up, you know, and kind of mow their grass short, you know, and all that. No. Listen, if I preached the truth, that'll get around to them, wouldn't it, huh? And I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't ever pick out any one person and embarrass or humiliate, or, or, or you'd just want to get up. But uh, who's to run the church? The Holy Spirit. He's the administrator of the church. Now then, how does he run the church with his blueprint? Here it is right here. The Holy Spirit never goes contrary to this book, and nobody ever gets saved except through this book. If you get born again, you get born again, just like I did through the Word. Now, the Bible said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so, if you get born again, you get born again through the Word of God. Now, when you get born again, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things, uh-huh 
or passed away. Now, there went your cigarettes and your liquor and your cussing and your dope and your lying and your stealing and, you know, I, I, just name it. If it's wrong, there she went. That's old things. That's old things. You know, I'd rather have new things than old things, hadn't you? If I were to put it to a vote tonight and say, how many of you have a new car than old car? Boy, you'd throw up your hand and say, let me have the new car and let somebody have it. You sure would. How many rather have a new dress than no? Oh, that's what I'd like to have. I, yeah, that's right. New suit than no suit. All right. Let me ask you something. Had you rather be a new man or an old man? Well, brother, here's the thing is sweet. When you get born again, you become the new man. Then what do you want to drag the old man along with you for? I'd just get a divorce from him and say, all right, beat it, old man. Old Adam, get going. I'm going to be a new Adam from now on in Christ. Amen. Now, you see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the reason you're really happy. But listen, if you're trying to be a new man and drag the old man along, you know what Paul said, don't you? Oh, he said over there, he said, Why, well, when I would do good, evil is present with me. The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. No longer I would sin that dwelleth in me. Finally, he cried out and said, Oh, wretched man. You remember that? Seventh chapter, book of Romans, he said, Wretched man. You know, you never get blessed until you get wretched. You just put it, and I've never seen a sinner really get blessed until he realized he was wretched. And I've never seen anybody get the blessing until they got under the curse. You just got to make up your mind. You're going to have to have some conviction of your stinking sin, and as long as you think you're just about as good as you want to be, you'll never in this world go to heaven. Somebody said, well, Brother Rolf, how bad do you have to get to uh, go to hell well, just, uh, uh, just like you are when you're born? I mean, that first birth got that all fixed. There's only one way to get over it, and, get an and that's get another birth. <laughs> I mean, the above birth, well, the only thing to take care of that uh, underneath birth. I mean, the natural birth will get you in trouble. The supernatural gets you out of it. And that's our only hope. And boys and girls, no need trying to go to psychiatrist and visit the doctor, and, and no need asking the, if they could shock you know, the past out of you. Every psychiatrist working on people said, well, they're troubled about the past. Well, man, I could be troubled about my past, but the trouble is I don't have any past now. I just have a present and a future. I mean, the past hasn't been put under the blood, and I got the shock treatment. You believe that? Then what do you want to worry about the past for? I mean, that'll drive you crazy. When you think about, listen, a fellow said one day, he said to a fellow, he said, man, I'm really worried about the future. He said, man, what worries you about your future? He said, my past. Well, I'd like, listen, don't you see, he didn't, he didn't have the past under the, I don't know if anybody doesn't have a past. The only man that I ever know that lived that didn't have a past and some things that he ought to be ashamed was Jesus Christ. He didn't have a thing in the past to ever bother him. But I'll guarantee you there's not one person in this building but what somewhere you stumbled. I mean, you slipped and you fell, and, and, and maybe you wasn't as bad as somebody else, but I'll guarantee you everybody's bad enough to go to hell unless you get saved. And you get that straight, because that's what the book says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I may be putting up with some sinful neighbors down here, but I'll guarantee you I won't have a one on either side of them in glory. And I praise God for the privilege of hobnobbing little with sinners and getting them saved and telling them about Jesus and going to these old prisons and hearing those old doors crack open and slide backwards and forth. But, brother, there'll be no bars in heaven. There'll be no jailhouses and there'll be no old folks' home and there'll be no hospital. There'll be no operating room. There'll be no psycho ward in the Savior's home. Oh, praise the Lord. There'll be no, there'll be no cemeteries to dot those hillsides of glory. There'll be no uh, hearse wheels to, 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 glow, to just drive gently down those golden streets, boys. There'll be no little poliomyelitis victims standing on the side of the playground wishing they could run like somebody else. There'll be no little blind children standing out there wishing they could see. Thank God we've got a better day ahead of us. Did you know that? And I tell you, if you're not enjoying that, you better wake up and realize that's for God's people, see? The church, yes, it has... A divine head, it has a born-again body, and the Holy Spirit is to be the administrator. But that's not all I'm going to say. Did you know that the man of God and the pastor of this church, on the human side, he's to be the ruler under the ruler. You'll never have a healthy church unless you have a man of God that can rule that church 
with this book right here. You show me a man that doesn't know this book, I'll show you a man that will not have authority over his church. And any man that knows this book has every right to command, I mean the respect and confidence, and to speak with a pardon as the oracles of God. And he, now I hear people say, well, I'll tell you, he's human and he doesn't know any more about it. Brother, that ought not to be so. He's to be God's man. Now, wait a minute. I said, we have an over, a big shepherd, the great shepherd, the bishop and shepherd. But listen, I believe that the under shepherd of the sheep is the pastor. And he's to lead that, those sheep and to give an account to God for every one of them. And brother, pastor, I believe that you ought to love the weakest, the wickedest, the sorriest church member. You've got enough to die for at any time in order to get them back to God. You're to be head and shoulders above everybody else in the church spiritually. That's God's plan. And preachers don't start alibying and saying, well, you know, I'm just human and so forth. But I tell you what, you've had some experiences that nobody else on earth has ever had unless it's another preacher, number one. Now, you've had a born-again experience. Well, other people have had that one. But you had a divine call to preach God's Word, and God gave you a special revelation of His truth and His Word, and I believe that ought to make any man on earth different. And I believe when our church and when our pulpit rises above the pew, I believe they can see which way they ought to go. And therefore, I believe the church ought to recognize the pastor as the divine ruler under the great shepherd and bishop of the sheep. And then the other thing that I say that for is that the people who are sheep, you know what a sheep is, don't you? They're just so useful and they're nice. Sheep are easy to get along with. A sheep is different from a goat. Jesus said, I know my sheep. He didn't say, I know my goats, did he? He didn't say, I give my goats eternal life. He didn't say, my goats hear my voice. A goat don't hear can nothing about anybody's voice. I mean, a goat's just a goat. A goat's sort of a daredevil. You take an old billy goat. One of the meanest things that ever lives, a billy goat. I mean, them things, they just get on top of the house, on top of the car. I mean, get on top of the cliff. Look, I mean, they'll butt you. Huh? Have you ever seen anybody in the church, you know? Huh? Like, come on. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, people love him, and that's good. And so you know that I'm not digging into anything that I know anything about. But here's what I've heard in the past. Well, you know, he's a good man. He's a good man. And I think he's, uh, you know, he means well, but. And there they go. Now, that's the billy goat right there. And, and they say, well, you know, old brother so-and-so, you know, he's been a deacon in that church for a long time. And, and I, I, I'm sure he's a good man, but. And there you go. Isn't it easy to criticize sometimes? Some poor old fellow doing the best he can. And it just encouraged him so much if you wouldn't butt him, huh? I mean, just say, well, I'll tell you what, I, I believe you, you're doing a good job, but look to me like you're getting better all the time. And uh, I tell you, uh, that'll encourage you, know that? It really will. Oh, listen, don't just be one of the sheep. You know what? A sheep is a humble animal. A, a, a sheep said to hear my voice. Uh, but a billy goat, uh, they go in the other direction. But the sheep, that represents the church. Now, what will the sheep do? You know the sheep by his following instinct. He wants to follow. And the fact is, the sheep will follow the sheep. If you put one hole in the fence, every sheep will go through the same hole. I mean, they'll just line up one by one, and all of them go right through there. Now then, sheep need help. They don't pick out the pasture. They don't pick out the place where they graze. They depend on the shepherd to do that. And you read the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then read where he said, he anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Now, he didn't say anoints my foot with oil. You know, to me, that head, that's where the brain is. We need some brains anointed with heaven's oil. Huh? I tell you, we got too many <laughs> brains that's anointed with the professor and with infidelity and modernism and with this, uh, all this new stuff that's coming out. That'll never get the job done. The church needs to be blessed from the pulpit by the brains and heads that have been anointed by the good shepherd. Yes, you know, I read over there in the Old Testament where he said, they're talking about leprosy, and he said the plague's in the head. That's where it is today, isn't it? The plague's in the head. We've gone to more schools, we've got more colleges, universities, doctorates, and everything else. 
But the trouble is it's not doctrine. Quack doctors that will not get people saved and get them born again. You know, the thing that I'm amazed with is this, that in all of our homes, we don't have but one little bit of string on our violin, and that's salvation by grace. And that's it. We just saw that all the time. may sound a little full of discord till you get saved, but boy, it's pretty when you get saved. I mean, if you ever, now that's all we're ever going to do. You think of, we take girls, we take boys, we take men, we take women, we take alcoholics and narcotic addicts and drunkards and everything else, and we just give them one thing. I mean, that's the only pill we got in our bag, and that's the gospel. That's all of it. They say, well, what do you do for them? I said, preach to them. Well, what do you do for the girls? Preach to them. What do you do for the boys? Preach to them. What are you going to preach? Jesus. And when they know him, their problems are solved. The dope's gone, cussing's gone, lying's gone. I mean, you think about that. Folks, we've got wonderfully good news to deliver to this generation. Just to know that, I mean, I never do, I never, I never people come and say, Brother Lord, do you think there's any hope? I said, no. I know this hope. I don't think. I know this hope, see? And uh, uh, people say, well, don't you think maybe that, that uh, maybe they've gone beyond uh, hope? I said, not if they're breathing. And they said, well, when would you give up? I said, uh, oh, four or five days after they've been dead. I mean, why would you ever give up on it when Christ is the answer? He said, come unto me, all ye that labor. If he wants all of them, bring them all to him. Why, well, he said, uh, uh, his blood will make the vilest sinner clean, and he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him. And so if they've gone to the uttermost of sin, bring them to an uttermost Savior. I thank the Lord for the rescue missions that are still left, even though there's been a waning interest. We sing the song, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. We sing the song throughout the lifeline, and yet we never toss a rope. Brother, this whole nation of ours is a rescue mission right now. I mean, everybody almost you meet is a prospect to be rescued. What about the church? What kind of a church was it? Had a divine head, a divine body, a divine administrator, has a divine book to go with it. Now, what about the goal of the church? We talked about the government. The goal of the church is one thing. Never has changed. I used to hear them talk down in Corpus. That's back when I still made a lot of little old unnecessary meetings. And they began to chew around on this subject. The business of the church in the post-war world. That's right. They'd say, now, let's discuss what is the purpose of the church in the post-war world. Why, post-war, pre-war, it don't make no difference. It's supposed to win souls. They think just because the wind changed that they're supposed to change their purpose down at the church. Why, brother, it don't make any difference whether it's snowing or sleeting or whether it's hot or cold or whether it's raining or dry. The business of the church is to win people to Jesus Christ. What do you think he meant when he climbed out of the grave and raised those nail-punctured hands, those merciful hands of love, and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go. Brother, he put the go on them. Did you know that? And you know where he told them to go? He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means all of you are supposed to be saved, every one of you. Go into all the world, everywhere. Oh, beginning at Jerusalem. You know where that is? That's Newton, Kansas, if that's where you live. That's your next-door neighbor, dear friends. That's the man on the road in the ditch from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's the man that cries for help. That's the little old girl that stands yonder tonight in the jailhouse and longs to be free. I mean, that's the little man laying on the psychiatrist's bench over yonder. Her couch looking up to him, confessing his sins to a man-made priest. Ah, I tell you, that means every old drunkard that ever staggered into the weed patch, and that means every alcoholic and every dopehead that shot his arms and legs uh, uh, full of needles, dear friends, of poison. I mean, that means every person that goes off and takes this silly, filthy, deadly poison called acid or LSD that'll make their brain twist and turn and their eyes see distorted things and scream at night. Brother, that means everybody that sinned, Jesus said, church, go get them. That's the purpose of the church. And I'm sorry. I really am. 
that we got on our Sunday clothes and forgot how to pull them off and put on the work clothes. I'm sorry that we doctored and decorated and robed choirs and carpeted aisles and got to elite and so forth, and we let the world drift out that really needs Jesus. He ate with publicans and sinners, and you and I need to make a date with some of them. It'd amaze you what could be done between now and Sunday in this place if you'd go adopt a poor family, and you'll find one if you look. I mean, if you'd go somewhere, forget your pride, and get them some clothes, or gather them up some in the neighborhood, and said, we will need a size 10 or 4 six or something else. We've got a little girl and a little boy. We've got a mother and a daddy. And I'm going to bring every last one of them to the meeting tomorrow night. If you had to shoe them and dress them and bring them in here and get them saved. Little old, had to take them down and get them a haircut and fix them up. I still believe we could win some people to Christ if we'd go after Oh, listen, he said, I was in jail and you didn't come to see me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. He said, I was sick and you didn't visit me. And he said, when did we see you in a fix like that? And he said, inasmuch as you did it not under one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it not to me. People say, Brother Olaf, I admire you for picking up those that seem like nobody else on earth wants. Dear friend, that's my blessing. Don't give me no sympathy. I would appreciate your support, but don't feel sorry for me here. Just don't feel sorry. Richest person in this world is the man that lives under the blessings of the Lord. And you'll be blessed. Bible said the uh, he that hath mercy upon the poor lendeth to the Lord. Can you imagine floating alone to God? Can you imagine anybody that made the whole world stood on the ledge of nowhere and spoke the Rocky Mountains to stick up their majestic head and put the oil in the ground and the gold in the hills and, and then he, I floated him alone? Don't you know he's going to pay it back with interest? Man alive, I never did live until I started living for somebody else. Today I thought of that colored lady that got down on her knees in our study that day and prayed this simple prayer with all the workers while she'd been mopping and cleaning and dusting and, and taking out the waste baskets and, oh, you know, just so many things that she'd been doing, so faithful, never said much about it, but just kind of hummed and sung along. And when she got down and everything was quiet, she said, Lord, help me live. From day to day, in such a self-forgetful way, that even when I kneel down to pray, my prayer shall be for others, others, Lord. Yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may live like thee and when this little old earthly life is run and my new life in heaven's begun oh may i somehow forget the little crown i've won while thinking still of others that's it you'll never live until you forget to live for yourself as long, and listen, don't you think that's not the battle? The flesh will cry to high heaven. You're neglecting me. But you'll never be happy as long as you're living for yourself. You better move out. You better get across the fence. Jesus did. I'll guarantee if he hadn't crossed the fence, it'd have been 10 lepers die with leprosy. Thank God for a Savior that knows how to bust down the barriers. I was flying along the other day, and I thought, you know, it's Christmas time coming up. And uh, about once a year, which I dread, I think there's any, any month that breaks his heart, it's December. Oh, the little old toys and trinkets. And grown people act worse than kids, especially husbands and wives. I mean, and when they haven't got any children, I want you to know, boy, if they don't shop for each other, silliest thing I ever heard of in my life. It really is. I mean, as long as you're desiring presents for yourself, you haven't grown up yet. Well, it's not your birthday. Forget it. That's Jesus' birthday. Little old boy lived with his mother down by the tracks. Poor, I guess, as poor could be. And while she ironed clothes and took in washing to make a living. The story goes that the little old boy went downtown and uh, he saw all the decorations. And a little old fellow just walked down the street and just kind of pressed his face against the glass and looked through. 
and all the displays and all the toys. And old Santa Claus uh, would just kind of, you know, <laughs> hold them in his lap and holler and so forth and talk and ask them what little old boy. He'd just go on down the street looking through the glass, just looking through the glass day after day. One day, the little fellow started home, and uh, it was getting dark in the evening. And he cut across the street and went out by a car, and a big old car came along and ran him down. The little fellow laid there flat on the ground, little old raggedy clothes and long hair. And the ambulance came, and somebody said, who's is he? And somebody spoke up and said, didn't look like he belongs to anybody. And they said, well, we'll have to haul him to the hospital. After a while, little old mother, over yonder in that little old shack, finally found that her boy got run over. He lay there unconscious, and there was a newspaper reporter that came, you know, with one of these uh, magnanimous spirits about that time of the year, you know, and said, there's a little boy got run over and said his mother washes and irons and doesn't have any money. Little fellow's in a ward, and uh, if anybody would like to help him out a little bit. Said he's unconscious, he may never speak or walk. May not live, but said, uh, if there's anybody would like to give him some good care. And so the telephone rang at the hospital. One of the wealthy men said, would you give that boy a private room and hire a nurse around the clock and put it in, do the best you can, send me the bill. Yes, sir, thank you, mister. And so they put him in the room, and then the, all the presents began to come. All the flowers would come. And many days later, uh, the little fellow opened his eyes and uh, looked all around. And he couldn't imagine. He saw nurses in white. He was laying between two white sheets. And he saw just the presents stacked so high. And he was so puzzled. And after a while, he said to the nurse, where am I? And said, son, you're in the hospital. And he said, well, what's all these? And these big packages and presents and all made. What's the bicycle for? And all of that. And she said, well, son, all this is yours. It's been sent. It's been sent. And the little boy whispered, and there's no more glass, is there? Mm -hmm. Did you get it? Brother, there's coming a time when you and I are going to quit looking through the glass, and we're going to be in the presence of the presence. Amen? One of these days, the old devil is going to run over us the last time. And we're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus, and we'll be home. That's the prospect of the church. Would you let me tell you two or three things about the church? Number one, I love it because Jesus loved it. I'm going to tell you why I love it. The church won my mother and my daddy to Christ, and they're gone. I mean, more and more, my kinfolks are moving across on the other side. I love the church because... Uh, I have loved ones on the other side, and the church gave the witness that won them to Christ. I love the church because one July night, back many years ago, the church bore the message to this little old country boy, and I got under great conviction and got saved. I love the church. I know something else could have done it, but it just so happened the church told me the way, and so I love the church. And then there was another night when through the ministry of the church, God put his hand on me, and called me to preach his wonderful word. I'll never cease to marvel at the one thing he's done for me after he saved me, and that was he called me to preach the gospel of Christ. And I love the pastors, and I want to be a blessing to the church. I don't believe God will ever let the day come when I'll not respect the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I still believe God's people ought to walk, drive, or fly, or get to a gospel church somewhere and worship the Lord. It'll do you good to be faithful to that organization or that organism that Jesus Christ set up. And he said, I'm, I'm going to be the head of it, and I'm going to build it. And dear friends, I love the church because it's the only thing that I know of in Newton, Kansas, that's going to be perfect some of these days. You can't name another thing. Now, I'm not going to get off, and I'm not going to have time to and take up a lot of these other organizations and secret, you know, things and all that. I don't have any time for them at all. I've never belonged to anything but the church. You'd never hem me up in them, save your life. You could give me nine memberships and pay me a thousand dollars a day to join. You couldn't get me in them. See? You say, well, why? Because the church is all I need, and Christ is the head of it. And last of all, I love the church because it's the only thing that I know of 
that Jesus is fixing to come after. Are you listening? I guarantee you, all these other things are going to be left high and dry. You watch. They're not going to be taken. They're going to be left right down here. But Jesus said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm coming after my church. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Brother, he's coming after his church. And just like my dear friend sang last night, uh, the camel train and the call of Eliezer. Can't you hear the call? Eliezer was sent by Abraham to find a wife for Isaac while he meditated in the field. And he got Rebecca and brought her back. Dear friend, while my Isaac is meditating in heaven in the intercessory office, the Holy Spirit is picking up a bride for Jesus. And I'll guarantee you one of these days, my heavenly father, my heavenly Abraham is going to say uh, to his son, go get Rebecca because she's ready to be married. I tell you, my Bible tells me he'll, he'll come and not tarry. He'll hurry, but he won't tarry. And Jesus never did hurry in his life. You never found. He, he told us to tarry, but I believe for one time and maybe the only time, and of course the only time my father ever ran that you, is when he ran to the prodigal son. Remember that? Bible said he ran to meet him. Bible said that Philip ran and joined himself with Ethiopian eunuch. Began the same place, preached unto him, Jesus. Brother, he ran to preach Jesus, didn't he? I believe the church ought to pick up a little speed today, too. Bible said the devil fleeth when no man pursueth, but I believe he'd make better time if we'd get after him. Oh, you better hear me tonight. The church is to be an eternal conflict uh, with the devil and sin and the flesh and the world, and the war will never be over until Jesus comes and then this blessed thought and I'm through. Did you know that when war breaks out, the ambassador's got to be home? Did you know that before the war ever really breaks out, they send for all the ambassadors and get them home? Did you know that we're fixing to have the end time conflict right now? Did you know the world's set for it with all of its misguided missiles and men? And with all of its dope and poison and germ warfare, and with all of the, 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 the terrible means of destruction, do you realize this final conflict's fixing to break out? And did you know that if you're an ambassador for Christ, you've got to get home before that war breaks out? And brother, I'm ready to pull out, aren't you? There's one war I'll never fight in, and that'll be that last one. I mean, I might watch it from the sky, but I'll guarantee you, dear friend, you and I, are going to go home as a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed, wonderful day that's going to be. Are you ready to meet him? I am coming to that old cross. I am poor and I'm weak and I'm blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall fall. The Lamb of Calvary, humbly at the cross I bow. Save me, Jesus. Save me right now. Bow your heads while we pray. Now, while our heads are bowed, I'm asking one question. Are you ready for the home going? Have you readied yourself for the rapture by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you tremble on the inside when you think about the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God? Oh, when the Savior comes to receive unto himself those who have been bought and purchased by his precious blood, are you ready tonight to go with him? If you missed that, you've missed it all. Don't talk to me about the treasures of this world. Dear friends, the toils of this old road will seem nothing when we get to the end of the way. I invite you to come to him tonight. Our Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you'd bless every precious soul that heard the message. Cause us to know that this old world holds nothing but heartache and failure and disappointment apart from Christ. And Lord, remind us that we're in the dressing room now, getting ready for the tremendous display of God's eternal loving and permanent goodness.
pray that you'd save the unsaved and bless us as we wait before thee. I'd like to ask a question tonight before I close the prayer and then pray for those who might raise their hands. As you notice, I do not do this very often, but I feel impressed to ask this question. How many of you would say, Brother Olaf, I'm ready right now, anxiously waiting, washed in the blood, sealed and signed and sanctified. I mean, I know that I'm saved. My ticket's paid and punched, and I'm ready to go at any second. If Jesus should come, it'd suit me fine. I'm ready right now. I know I'm saved. Raise your hand right now. Put your hand down. Thank you for doing that. Now, we certainly don't make an example out of anybody, but as I glance rapidly across my congregation and this wonderful crowd, I believe I saw some who were slow to raise their hand and some that never did get it up. And I'd have to admire you if that's the way you feel about it, to be, at least be honest about it. How many of you would say, Brother Olaf, I'm not right with the Lord and ready for the rapture and wouldn't want him to come and catch me living the way I'm living now? Would you please pray for me? Just stick your hand up and then put it down. Will you do it? God bless you. How many more? I'm not right. I'm not living right. Pray for me. I'd like to be ready and right to meet him. Anybody else? Stick your hand up real quick. We'll pray for you. Anybody else? Don't be timid about it. I mean, just be honest. God never blesses a crook. If you're not right in your heart and you want to be prayed for, don't be timid about it. Just stick your hand up and put it down right quick. And we'll God bless you. God bless you. Our Heavenly Father, bless these precious souls tonight. No, I pray to bring conviction so heavy that nobody will get their eyes closed for rest tonight until they're right and ready for the rapture. I pray that we'll see the Holy Spirit work and stir in this community in this meeting and folks will pace the yard at night like they used to in great spiritual uprisings that God gave. Hear us and help us and bless the invitation as we sing that old song that says, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, that thou bidst me come to the old Lamb of God, I'll come tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.